You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. The Tony Khan era of Ring of Honor begins, plus we get the best tag team match of all time. This is pure a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast, part of the Count Out Podcast Network. Welcome to another exciting episode of Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. Of course, you are listening to Sean Taggart, who is happy to be here and happy to talk to you about Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, the true end of one era and the start of something brand new. Um, I hope you all enjoyed your WrestleMania weekend, whether it be watching the copious amounts of indie wrestling across Fight. Um, and title match network, as we know, IWTV didn't do anything this year. Um, or you guys enjoyed your shows on uh, Peacock, WWE Network, wherever you watched your uh, WWE programming. There was a lot of shows this weekend for everyone. Independent Waters will cover mostly all of the collective side of things uh, over the co- coming week. So be sure to be on the lookout for that episode as they, uh, we talk about various different shows. I'll be joining Mikey um, this week as we talk about Norm, the Black Label Pro Show, and GCW's Planet Death with Lauren Rosenberg of Your Dose of Death. So I'm excited to jump in and share my knowledge about the death match scene, and hopefully you guys enjoy that episode once it drops. Just be on the lookout on the Countout Network feed or the Independent Waters feeds, wherever you guys listen to that show. But yeah, this was a very busy weekend, I would say, Um, you know, partake from just a normal independent weekend where there's a lot of shows there was a lot of shows in dallas texas um one of them being the ring of honor super card of honor show that usually happens and is a staple of wrestlemania weekend since 2006 this one was no different um and it was full of surprises it was full of change uh that's for sure um and it was also just full of what ifs continually as we still don't know the future of what Ring of Honor is going to be after this. There will be more shows as we had that confirmation from Tony Khan. But in terms of what the future really looks like for Ring of Honor and what it really is going to turn into, we still don't know yet. Um, We do know the champions that will be representing Tony Khan's Ring of Honor and his vision for the company. We'll talk about that as we go on in this show here. But, um... Let's just get right into it. It was a very good show, I will say. Uh, Probably one of the better Ring of Honor shows in a long time. Um, Just a lot of good wrestling on there, which you would expect from Ring of Honor, but a lot of change and, you know, changing of the guard, changing of ideals in terms of what Ring of Honor is going to be represented by, who's going to represent them as champions. Um, but I did like and see some of the similar things. We, you know, Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman on commentary. Uh, very nice touch. It was nice to have some familiar voices calling the action. Uh, Tony Khan did mention in his press conference that he did want to have something there that felt the same for Ring of Honor fans. 
and those two have had chemistry with one another, so why change it up uh, last minute? They know what's been going on within the company in terms of stories and stuff like that and can tell you a little bit more background than, say, if you put Excalibur and Taz in that position. So you had some normalcy in terms of that. You did see a return uh, for Paul Turner as the Ring of Honor uh, official last night. Uh, he was one of the original officials in Ring of Honor going back to 2002. So it was nice to see him back there. One person really missing from the show was Todd Sinclair, another senior official. He wasn't involved in the show whatsoever. Bobby Cruz was there as your ring announcer, so that was very nice to see as well. Um, so there were some similarities, but there were some noticeable differences. Camera quality was way up because AEW brought in their production staff. Tony Khan used the AEW production staff to record and tape this show. Um, it just felt a little bit crisper, clearer. Um, there was some technical difficulties throughout the show, but nothing major as losing signal um, or anything of the like like that. There was, you know, like I said, uh, Paul Turner was the only Ring of Honor ref uh, that was there. Stefan Smith and another uh, AEW official was there as the officials for this show. Um, but yeah, we started off with a nice hour one, which is full with four action pack matches that Tony Khan promised to deliver. And he did deliver. Um, one of the things is that we saw, um, throughout the show too, is if there was any new music done by Mikey Ruckus and the ROH music, uh, team, it was, uh, shown right away on Twitter. One of them being Blake Christian getting his own ROH music theme. He faced Colt Cabana in a nice way to open up the show. A nice, like, lighthearted match. A little bit more comedy, as we've seen um, from Colt, really. We haven't seen a lot of Colt as Colt, so to speak, since he joined the Dark Art Order in AEW. So it was really nice to see him here come out to his uh, song that has the tones of Copacabana, but uh, talking about Colt here. It was also very nice to see Colt in a singlet that wasn't donned by the colors of um, the Dark Order. So it was nice to see him in his classic red and black. Um, you know, a little basic there. He did a nice job sewing it together. As we know, he does his own gear. But it was really good just to see Colt wrestle in a Ring of Honor ring as well. Uh, Ian and Caprice were excited to see him. Some similar, uh, you know, familiar face for them. Uh, they wrestled a pretty decent match here. Colt picked up the win, but, you know... Blake is going to be a nice project for the Ring of Honor brand. I think you're going to see him flourish in something like this. You know, given the time to actually wrestle here rather than being um, secluded to like a few minutes on dark every now and then. Him getting the opportunity, if this is more of a thing for him to be on, will be really nice to see him push forward and push through as probably one of the top prospects in a Ring of Honor ring. And it will be nice to see him, you know, get some wins eventually under his belt. Um, but it was nice to start that off and start seeing some very good uh, professional wrestling that start off the show. We then go into ROH Women's Division action. AQA took on Miranda Alizé. These two are Booker T students, so they have some familiarity with one another. Miranda Alizé was a finalist in the Ring of Honor Women's Title Tournament, losing to the eventual inaugural champion, Roxy. But this match here... Um, showcase AQA and I mean this was a good back and forth match in the early going and stuff like that but then AQA really took over and managed to really 
strive and push to the limit. I think, you know, we're going to see AQA develop under here a little bit more than being put on a Rampage or a Dynamite. I think she needs a little bit more seasoning, honestly. Um, some rough spots in this match. Alizé did try to control it and put it as best as possible to get the right foot forward. But I really do see um, AQA getting the shine here rather quickly. Um, she'll probably have a long program with whoever the woman champion is going to be in the future, either Diana or, and I won't spoil it yet, uh, Mercedes or Willow. But, you know, this was a very good match um, in the beginning, and then it just kind of a little broke down. Very dangerous uh, shooting star press from AQA gave her the victory here. Uh, hope Miranda was okay. She looked like she got the wind knocked out of her, and hopefully it was nothing more serious than that. Um, yeah, this I want to see more Miranda in the uh, Ring of Honor ring under t the Tony Khan era, uh, Ring of Khan or whatever we want to call it. But this was a very sloppy match, but Alize did her best to really keep it under control. We then go into a tag match, and it was nice to see Cheeseburger and Eli Isom. The Shinobi Shadow Squad really come out here. Um, familiar face for the Ring of Honor audience. Plus, you know, feel good. Who wouldn't want to see the Shinobi Shadow Squad in a Supercard of Honor? These two guys, especially Cheeseburger, is somebody who is a face of the current era of Ring of Honor that we all know and love. It was nice to see him and Eli really get a shine. I hope this leads to big things for both of them. Uh, I think it might have more of an opportunity for Eli here, but it'd be nice to see uh, Cheeseburger get something in, out, out of this as well. Uh, they took on the no Tolly Blanchard team of the Gates of Agony. Um, Tolly came out and cut a program promo, excuse me, about you know losing FTR, losing his you know career uh, flipped upside down. A lot of changes happened. Um, and, you know, he felt agony, and he brought out these two men. Khan, part of SOS, and Shane Taylor Promotions will now be uh, teaming with Toa Leona. It was a very good match. It showcased the strength and the power of both these men. This was a quick uh, finish here, um, really just a one-sided match here. Uh, the Gates of Agony won. Um, I'm excited to see more of them. I'm excited to see Tully Brancher and Enterprises TBE, as he liked to call it. I thought he was saying TBD a lot during every time he said TBE. So it's a great opportunity for these men that are in this group to really refocus and reshift their careers. Um, Khan took the bag. I'm sorry, Shane. He kissed ass and took the bag. Um, one of the things that Shane Taylor was very heavily criticizing either Sinclair or Tony Khan that he wasn't going to kiss ass and, and run for the bag. So Khan did, and I'm sure he's out of Shane Taylor promotions because of it. But better off for him because he has some job security and he gets to grow under a good mind of tag team wrestling in Tully Blanchard. We go to the main event of Hour One. And let me tell you, it was great to see Joe Hendry back, but it was excellent to see Dalton Castle back. And God, Tony, do something with Dalton. Do something with Joe because you had a very good match on the hands and a very good match to close out our one here i really appreciated seeing these two guys here everyone was into joe hendry's theme dalton castle was doing dalton castle things as a very exciting and a very good match really brought out the two of them as we all know this stems back to joe turning on 
uh, Dalton during Final Battle 2021, uh, during the fatal four-way for the TV title that Rhett Titus would eventually come out as the victor. But yeah, this right here was a match that had some story to it and tied up a loose end from the old guard. And you saw Dalton come out on top. He was very busy still, but he made sure he had time to take care of his uh, issue with Joe Hendry. And that was hour one. For this first hour, you know, it was a lot of action and a lot of fast pace. It reminded me of a rampage. It was timed perfectly in the hour. Um, a lot of go, go, go. We did see a backstage promo, inter- the foundation reintroducing themselves or introducing themselves for their first time with Denise Salcedo, who was there as the host. Uh, we did see, you know, a little bit of talk around what her role was going to be. So she was a backstage correspondent. Uh, during that show so it was nice to see her backstage and you know have her time to talk with uh, the foundation but you know one of the things that came out of this show too was just a really nice way to tie up and close out some ends from the Sinclair era the Hunter Johnson Delirious era a ring of honor and really focus in now on what was going to become in the Tony Khan era of ring of honor Tony Khan's still booking this on his own. He said that, you know, he'll be able to manage this. I'm still skeptical about how he's going to be able to, you know, separate the two realistically. But it was a very good uh, first hour. It gave you a taste of what we might see in the second hour or and the third and the fourth. So we jump on to the main show now here at Supercard of Honor. And we're started off with Swerve and Alex Zane. It was good to see Alex Zane back. Uh, last time I saw Alex Zane in the ring, he took um, some glass from a light tube shot and some glass to the eye against uh, Jimmy Lloyd in Los Angeles for GCW. Um, so it was nice to see Alex Zane. I thought he was going to wrestle with an eye patch, but it's just part of the gear now. Um, and it's a nice look for him. He's getting a little bit more swagged out. It looks like a Doritos Los Taco, according to Caprice Coleman which, uh, you know, made me laugh a little bit. This The king of uh, Taco Bell right here with uh, Alex Zane and also another ROH Music original for Alex Zane. So maybe he's going to continue to get some looks for uh, Ring of Connor here. Um, but you know, this was a very good match. A lot of early back and forth between the two, uh, one upping one another, trying to prove the other one that they could go above and beyond and out, work out, wrestle out high spot one another and it was working very clearly as we saw both these men really just try to outdo one another in the early stages then we got into a little bit of the serious part here um sort of was really just starting to take advantage and take over this match i thought it was a very good way you know hour one had the feel-good opener between cabana and blake christian cabana doing more of his comedy work Something that, you know, has been missing for a while. But for this right here, this didn't get the crowd really going until the Poison Rana off of the apron onto the ground by Alex Zane. But this was a very good match, which really showcased a lot of what we expected to see from Alex Zane for quite some time. I think he's finally found his legs after being in the WWE system. And Shane Strickland just seems like he's on another level right now. He looks good. Um, he had those matches in Defy recently against uh, the uh, Nick Wayne. So he had a very good match there against Nick Wayne. He's been having matches uh, on AEW. He had one against Ricky Starks the prior week. 
Um, it looks like him and Keith Lee are going to be teaming with one another. There was, you know, a lot of great back and forth there. I really appreciated what I saw. I thought it was a very good match overall. I thought, honestly, like they could have done a little bit more, but given the amount of time that they were given, this was a very good match. Swerve picked up the win here, and you're going to see a trend here for uh, most of these guys here in the show where the AEW talent did go over more so than some Ring of Honor talent. We throw it to the back quickly where Denise is with uh, Tully Blanchard, TBE, and his uh, new tag team of Toa Leona and uh, Khan. They're talking about, you know, the next match, which is uh, Tully Blanchard's uh, client against Ninja Fuck Mac, or Ninja Mac, they called him that. Um, but, you know, a monster hyping up this match. The monster turned out to be Brian Cage. Um, so he's back in the Tony Khan fold. Uh, we found out during the press conference that he, he couldn't really tell um, Brian when he was about close to resign him, which shocked many people um, what his plans were. Uh, Brian Cage went out and said he was uh, picked up his option and he's staying around with AEW, which Tony mentioned that he probably shouldn't have said anything, but he was happy to have him around. It's not a big deal, but he couldn't tell him why he was t- picking up his option. It's just that he didn't see a fit for him to continue anything with team Taz, So it kind of went very cold for him very fast here. Um, this match here was to redebut uh, Brian cage as a monster. Um, really nothing more, nothing less there. Ninja max sold like a champ. I gotta admit, like he took that beating very well from, uh, from Brian Cage, and I mean, it was a great way to reestablish Cage as a monster, as somebody who shouldn't be taking anything from anyone. But at the same time, a lot of people, um, and reading some comments on Twitter and social media and all the other areas that I do read and watch and follow, weren't too happy with a squash from Ring of Honor. But hey, this is this makes sense. You're trying to establish. Uh, Brian Cage as a monster here as part of TBE Tully Blanchard Enterprises yes Ninja Mac got an ROH original song but honestly like there's not much more you can say about that this was a match that was going to be heavy handed um, that was going to be mostly one sided I saw no problem with it Uh, you know big man throwing somebody around always pops a crowd and it did here I don't why wouldn't you want to continue doing that why wouldn't you, why would you change your mind and go somewhere else with it? I think this was the right way to go, and you, you know, reestablishes Brian Cage. Like I said, which was I think the major goal here. They wanted to show Cage as and showcase Cage as somebody who is a monster who can should be feared. Um, I'm excited to see more of this group in Ring of Honor in AEW wherever they land up. Um, but we go on to our next match, and this match I was looking forward to as well. This match was highlighted as one of the key matches of Terminus 1, but due to uh, storms and everything in the southeast at that time, this couldn't happen. Um, Jay couldn't make it down there in time for this match, but we got Jay Lethal and Lee Moriarty. Lee looked good here. Lee, in the early going, had an answer for everything that Jay was trying to come at him with. Jay was trying to try to hold, give him a hold. Lee found a way to get out of it. Jay was trying to hit his... Um, lethal injection jay found a way to maneuver himself out of it altogether so he wouldn't get the lethal injection hit on him this had that early back and forth feel this you know 
reminded me of a young Jay Lethal trying to prove this point against a veteran like a Samoa Joe or somebody in the early stages of Jay Lethal's career at Ring of Honor and really getting the upper hand. But, you know, the veteran at the end of the day outsmarted him and really got the upper hand on Jay. But this match here was just a very good action-packed, fast-paced match, but really told the story here. And I think the story here is that, you know, Jay's getting frustrated, always being on the losing end of it. Um, as we hear him talk in regards to stuff going on in uh, AEW, him, you know, losing, even though it's a couple matches, these couple matches that he's lost to, he's lost to, you know, Ricky Starks for the FTW title. He's lost to Adam Cole. And then this past Wednesday, he lost to... John Moxley, so losing these matches hurt and getting these opportunities and, you know, squandering him in his eyes hurt, so he had to win at any means necessary. He wanted to win at any means necessary, and he won by any means necessary after distracting the ref um, and low-blowing uh, Lee Moriarty here. He picks up the victory, which got people very pissed at Jay, um, the Foundation's former co-leader and also the uh, franchise of Ring of Honor, people were booing and chanting fuck off Lethal. It was a very hostile crowd against Lethal, especially after taking the actions that he did against a guy like Lee Moriarty uh, to the point where, you know, Matt Seidel, who was seconding Moriarty, got in the ring on crutches and started yelling at Lethal, asking him what this was about, why'd you do this, to the point where Lethal snapped and kicked the crutches out and started beating up um, Matt, Matt Seidel there to the point where out came uh, Sanjay Dutt to separate him. Sanjay's been in front of Jay's for over 20 years, trying to calm him down, push him to the back, yelling at him. It was a very interesting uh, finale to that match, and it really showcases his frustration of not being able to win and taking it to win by any means necessary. And again, like I said, he won by any means necessary here. He took an easy way out, he took a shortcut, and he beat Lee Moriarty here. So, we go into our next match, which was for the interim Ring of Honor Women's Championship as Deanna Peraza, the current holder, had some contractual obligations to appear for Impact Wrestling uh, tonight on Friday night for IPWF, and then also the multiverse of matches where she defended her Reina de Reina's uh, AAA Women's title against Fabi Apache. Um, but this was between Mercedes Martinez and Willow Nightingale. This was a decent match too. I feel Willow in general has become has become a strong wrestler since the pandemic. She really is focused on the full package of her, her character, her in ring work, you know, understanding and really understanding how to emote properly, how to show emotion when she's, you know, down how to make a comeback properly, really focusing on those next steps to become a stronger wrestler to be on TV more often. And I hope, and I hope, and I hope, and I hope this is something that we see here from uh, Tony Khan to bring her back a little bit more often. It was also mentioned during the post-show scrum, what about Trisha Dorr? She was also a name mentioned for this match, but they just couldn't come to an agreement in time. But he wants to see more of Trish as well. So that's good to hear. Um... I will say, you know, this match, I feel I would have done it a little bit differently. I wouldn't have had the eventual winner, who was Mercedes Martinez, join the scrum. If I had the time to, I would have drove her up to um, Russell Cotton and had her wrestle Deanna and just end it. Don't draw this out. But I understand at the same time, too, once again, contractual obligations, wants to do what's right, 
wants to give the best match possible for all fans involved. So Mercedes is a great champion, don't get me wrong. I wanted this to go either way. I didn't have really any skin in the game or any really true emotion about one or the other. But it was another example of your AEW talent going over somebody who was well-established and made a name for herself in Ring of Honor. Uh, she came up short against Roxy in a match against her at Final Battle 2021 for the women's title. This right here, I just, I, I feel bad for Willow because I feel like ever since she's come back from that neck injury that she's had, she's made leaps, bounds, strides to become a strong professional wrestler. Speaking of Willow Nightingale, check out the Wrestling Lab show May uh, 13th at Williamstown, New Jersey. This will be streamed at a later time or maybe even live on IWCV. I will be sponsoring Willow Nightingale in her match. Um, so make sure you guys all check that out. I'm honored to sponsor her. She's a Ring of Honor alumni, and uh, Pure Logo is right on there to sponsor her. So make sure you check out that show and that match in particular. Um, I'm excited for that. But going back to that, it's it's a sad thing. I, I feel like Willow had more of an upside and potential. It could have been a more of an intriguing match against her and Deanna. Um but we're not going to see that. We're not going to get that match right now. And it's a shame because I think you had more excitement around that maybe a little bit than you would with uh, Deanna and Mercedes. Like, they both wrestled each other a lot. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's a little bit more of a fresher matchup if you go with Deanna and Willow. But, oh God, this match right here. I cannot talk about it enough. I was excited when this match was announced. I was excited when this match happened um, and was happening. I couldn't believe it. Tony Khan credits it for the big sales on fight initial numbers that he got in showcased it as the highest purchase show on fight for fight ever. This also is the ticket mover match right here. After he announced this match, this show went from 200 tickets sold close to 2,000 tickets sold. So people came to town, came to the Curtis Caldwell Center to see... FTR take on the Ring of Honor champion Briscoes. This right here was classic tag team wrestling at its finest. This showed emotion. This had hard-hitting back-and-forth action. This had near falls that made you jump out of your seat. This had everything. This match right here is a match I would show people years later who are trying to become a tag team and want to become one of the best tag teams in all of wrestling. I would show them this match here because goddamn did these four men put on a fight and did they put on a fight for their lives. I honestly have no bad things to say about this. Yes, I could be a little bit bitter that the Briscoes didn't retain. I was at first and I still am a little bit. But goddamn did these guys put on probably their best best match throughout the entire weekend for them. They had their match against uh, the Rottweilers on Friday at the March Kitchcock's uh, Memorial Show. Uh, whatever. Not really one I would reach out and rush out to see. They regained the GCW Tag Team titles in a three-way between the SGC of Matthew Justice and Mance Warner. And then Nick Gage by himself, but out came Slate to you know help him out. Um, so yeah, there wasn't anything really there for that. And then they had, after this, they went up to WrestleCon again for Impact's multiverse and matches to take on the Good Brothers. I didn't see that match. I have, you know, no real interest to see that match. But this right here was the match of the weekend for the Briscoes. This is probably the match of the weekend across the entire weekend, in my opinion. 
Um, I have nothing, like I said, nothing bad to say about this match. Just the emotion of seeing the Briscoes lose, and then also the emotion of feeling like this was the end of a match. They hit the big rig, the Briscoes on uh, Cash Wheeler. I thought that was it. I was like, wow, this is this is it. Um, they got the they hit their own, the opponent's finishing on them, and they're going to lose to their own finishing move. They hit it better than FTR, I thought, and I joked around and said. But this really had a lot of emotion to it. This is a rivalry brewing since Final Battle 2021. But even beforehand, this was a brewery, a rivalry, um, really showcasing the two best teams in our different generations, in our different eras. And I really feel as if you're never going to top that style match just based on the heat alone. The crowd was wild this entire match. I don't think they were quiet at one moment. They were uh, the front rows were on their feet, standing out and showing out, cheering on for both these teams. There was a split crowd between both teams who they wanted to see win. You know, Dax and Cash during their press conference talked heavily about what it means to be faces and heels in wrestling, and really talking about getting the emotion out and showcasing, um, and making a fan feel something based on the emotion that they're bringing in. It was a very good conversation. I would highly recommend listening to that because it will break a lot of people's minds about how they feel about heels and faces in general. I think, you know, them doing the press conference too just gave another little indication that they want to keep this a little bit similar to the style and the presentation of big shows like they do with uh, AEW pay-per-views. So it was nice to see some of that continue here. Um, I really feel as if, though... Maybe the Briscoes aren't done after all. Um, and the reason why I say that is post-match, you know, the Briscoes are getting their curtain call, it seemed like, and out came the Young Bucks, and Matt and Nick Jackson got a lot of heat for this, and the crowd was eating them up and, you know, chanting, fuck you, Young Bucks, which Matt started to clap along with and doing all that. But it was a very good way to sh- set up their match this Wednesday night on Dynamite between the uh, FTR and the Young Bucks, and uh, Tony Khan made it official that it's not only for the AAA t- uh, tag team titles, but it's also for the Ring of Honor tag team titles as well. So we get a dual title match here on Wednesday. Could the Young Bucks become uh, Ring of Honor tag team champions again? Could they become AAA tag teams again? It was, um, like I said, a very strong match. A very good style. I mean, all four men were bleeding. Jay Briscoe right off the bat, he gushes. Um, so he was gushing here pretty heavily. It was one of those things where you were watching this and you were wondering what could go wrong and what could happen next, and we saw that happen rather quickly. It was just a phenomenal piece of wrestling, and it was just a great way to give the tag teams a showcase here and give them the proper timing to get a match of this caliber out. Um, They went for almost a half hour and it didn't feel like a half hour it felt very tightly you know timed and it also did you know nothing felt out of place nothing felt rushed they were given the time to showcase and given the time to really get their stories out and they did the sign of respect at the end from briscoes and ftr that was according to uh, cash wheeler not planned um it just was felt right in the moment just because they put on a great match with one another uh, but I'm hoping, based on what we saw with the Young Bucks after the match, that this wasn't it for the Briscoes. Because, goddamn, if that is, they went out with a blaze of glory and they came 
fighting. They they were really trying their best here to prove that Tony Khan is making a mistake if they don't get kept around. And honestly, he's making a mistake. Um, and I hope he realizes in the long run uh, he made his right uh, about Mercedes Martinez, even though with Mercedes it just happened a little too late, and he mentioned that because as he was building his roster and getting everything ready for TV, she jumped uh, and signed, actually, with WWE at the same time. So Tony corrected that right and finally signed Mercedes, and she you know, said during her portion of the press conference that was destiny this is you know all the things that happened for a reason so on and so forth i hope that same thing that same conversation goes into tony content when it comes to the briscoes he has a change of heart and then he brings them back it doesn't have to be under the aew umbrella i'm not saying that he can they can still be part of ring of honor and still do stuff with ring of honor that's really where i want to see them flourish and do well um they were there since day one i mean granted they weren't a tag team yet they were both uh well Mark was the singles wrestler as uh, Jay was waiting to be of age, but like they need to be part of that roster for the long haul. I think they could be good final bosses for the tag division, along with like FTR, maybe some of the other AW tag teams that don't get enough shine in uh, Rampage or Dynamite, that style thing. So I think there could have been more given there, um, but it was a very good sh- uh, matchup. And it hit all the different points of what a match should be in terms of drawing you in as a fan, making you feel something as a fan. Just everything was done and executed perfectly. I I think, you know, this was a five-star match in my eyes. I do hope and pray, and I believe Meltzer will agree with that. But time will tell. Um, I'm sure there will be a lot of discourse when the latest issue of The Observer goes out and we see it was rated like, four and a quarter or four and a half or four and three quarters and people are wondering why it was rated so low or it was rated adequately enough but this yeah this is a match of the year uh i don't think anything's gonna come close to it honestly and i don't think anything should we then go on to another title match here we get our ring of honor television championship defended by Rhett titus this was during the 10 o'clock hour so this was rampage hour and you could tell the quality dropped a little bit, and I don't know if the quality dropped just because of who was wrestling at this time, or just they were told to bring it home a little early, because the next two matches on this show felt a bit rushed and out of place. Um, I just was surprised with the abrupt endings in this. Uh, one of them being, with this match, uh, Suzuki hit a gotch pile driver rather abruptly and ended rather quickly, and he's now your new Ring of Honor ta- uh, television champion. Um, really not much you can say about this match. Rhett tried. Rhett tried to make the crowd believe that he was something much more than, you know, a lot of people believe he is. Uh, a lot of people don't give him the credit for being somebody who stuck out with the Ring of Honor through the thick and thin. Um, went through a lot of ridiculous character changes and characters to finally get something that stuck with him in the foundation with uh, Josh Woods, Tracy Hot Sauce Williams, uh, Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal at the time, you know, all these guys really were focused and more well um, character developed than Rhett Titus. And Rhett really took this time as a member of Foundation to really redefine himself and showcase that he can hang with some of these guys that he was in the ring with and teaming with. Um, 
but Rhett wasn't given this opportunity here. Uh, it wasn't better off if he dressed up and as the romantic touch and took this match in a, a little shorter time period just to get this out of the way. This was just a disappointment. I feel bad for Rhett. Um, I don't think he deserved to get the short end of the stick. But like I said, this match was probably during the Young Bucks and uh, Top Flight, so this wasn't giving really enough chance to shine here and really give a true focus and ability to showcase itself as a match that should be a top billing match because, you know, the Ring of Honor television titles held by such men as El Generico, Christopher Daniels, names I can, you know, continue on and on with. But, hey, if that's the end for Rhett, I think he's going to have a very good career on the independency. And I think, you know, eventually he'll get picked up by somebody here that will, you know, give him the best opportunity to be um, what he was as a member of the foundation. Um, and I think he'll, we'll see more of him pop up on like a beyond or somewhere else uh down the northeast maybe he'll start traveling a little bit more for independent dates but you know poor Rhett. that's all i'm gonna say um we then go on to our pure title match here between josh woods and wheeler yuda this was another match that just not only did it feel rushed but in my opinion i think a lot of it had to do with them really not having good chemistry with one another I, I, I really feel that Josh is still a little bit green in some areas. I, I don't know if that's just because he's more built on the MMA style and he hasn't really made the true focus and switch over to a pro wrestling style that I think a lot of people are hoping he does soon. But it just felt as if, you know, him and Wheeler couldn't click. Wheeler used his three rope breaks rather quickly to the one that... um josh used in this match but it just like i said it felt very off it felt really like wheeler's trying to get this match going but i don't think you know josh was on the same gear as him and at times i don't think wheeler's on the same gear as josh um a surprise uh, cradle pin ended this match and made wheeler yuda your new ring of honor peer champion which you know i was excited about i think this just furthers his story progression with the blackpool combat club especially with Regal looking at him from a distance, even though I thought he was supposed to be on commentary. A lot of confusion happened there uh, during this match due to the fact that Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman mentioned that he was going to be on commentary, and he just didn't come out for it. Um, so don't know if you know he was stuck at uh, another show or he just stayed backstage and decided to watch from back there. It was a very good match um, on paper. But it just didn't execute the way I think a lot of people expected it to. So we go on to our main event. Our main event here is Jonathan Gresham, your original Ring of Honor World Champion. The title to him that is the true championship just because of the honorable men that held it. Defending against the current Ring of Honor champion, Bandito. This is a match that was supposed to happen at Final Battle of 2021. Bandito had COVID and it didn't happen. Enter... Chavo Guerrero Jr. to this match to be the mouthpiece, a focal point here for um, Bandito as somebody who just wants Bandito to focus on the task at hand. Don't worry about the honorable stuff. Don't worry about shaking hands. Just go out there, fight, uh, win back the title that is rightfully yours. Forget about what Jonathan Gresham has done. Jonathan Gresham brought this title everywhere, has defended it everywhere. You know, just do what you need to do to win back this title and make it yours. And honestly, this match had some moments in the beginning where it was flowing really well. I will say 
Chavo trying to interfere and Chavo doing what he did during the match did uh, dampen it a little bit. Uh, the distractions were literally a distraction not only for, obviously, Jonathan Gresham, who was the one getting distracted, but also for the fans watching the match either at the Curtis Caldwell Center or at home on fight, on pay-per-view, whatever way you were watching it. I feel almost as if this took a lot of people out of it just because, like, Bandito doesn't need a manager, you know? Bandito was very good on his own, you know, did everything honorable, did a lot of different things without really needing extra help, extracurricular activities, so on and so forth. Um, I think the tide changed once Bandito told the referee, uh, Paul Turner, in this match to kick Chavo Guerrero out, which had everyone popping. Um, I w- I'm in the Mr. Warren Hayes Discord, and uh, you can hear them all excited about that when that happened. It was funny. Um, it was a different way to showcase, like, Bandito is trying to still do this the honorable way, and Chavo's not being honorable. Get this man out of my ring, get him out of my corner. I want to fight this fair and square. And, you know, it brought up the intensity a little bit. Uh, I was, I lost it when Gresham kicked out of the 21-plex, that suplex that Bandito does the German um, off, you know, jumping off the corner and doing all that. That was just amazing to see. First time I saw someone kick out of that in a long time. So it was nice seeing somebody kick out of that. It was also really good just to see, Gresham be aggressive and you know he used some of the mistakes that Bandito made to his advantage to really try to hone in and get the upper advantage again I really feel as if them making Gresham the champion was the right decision I hope this isn't the end of Bandito just because I feel like Bandito adds a lot to that roster and is a great talent why wouldn't you want him involved in like future plans and stuff like that especially as you know, Ring of Honor grows and you start touring again, he's a familiar face to get people to drive in and want to see these shows. So Jonathan Gresham is your undisputed Ring of Honor champion. And out comes Jay Lethal. Jay wants uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Gresham to remember who made him, who helped guide the way, who helped make John who he is today. And wants the first shot at the Ring of Honor title. Granted, he had the shot against him on uh, Final Battle 2021. But this time, he's the undisputed champion. No interim, no original. He is the champion. Now he wants it. And uh, before Gresham could say anything, um, a little attack here, a little attack there. Uh, and with Sanjay Dutt coming back out to really you know, try and calm Jay. Sanjay turns around and knocks out. Uh, knocks down Gresham and starts attacking uh, Gresham. So it looks like these two are going to be working a little bit closely together. Maybe Sanjay will get some TV time on a Dynamite Rampage or maybe even Ring of Honor. And then all of a sudden, Samoa Joe comes out and makes a save for John Gresham. Really drives home the point that, hey, anything could happen. Tony Khan promises surprise, and here is the surprise. Samoa fucking Joe of all people, and it was really great to see Samoa Joe back. Um, it's going to be nice and refreshing. He got the graphic right away. We forgot to mention, Wheeler Yuta got his graphic finally. He is Ollie. Samoa Joe is Ollie, and he's going to speak this Wednesday on Dynamite, so make sure you tune in and watch that. But, like, a lot of good things here. You know, a lot of intertwining stories between AEW with the Jay Lethal stuff and now Ring of Honor with 
Jonathan Gresham as your champion and his first defense might be against Jay Lethal. Um, could it be on Rampage or Dynamite? There might be a chance that it could be on a Rampage or a Dynamite. You know, Ring of Honor getting that national attention that it so deserves and, you know, in my opinion, needs to, you know, have fans remember, have people remember, have people interested. Um, no signs on a TV deal yet, but, you know, it's not a month since Tony Khan announced the uh, deal yet, so give that time. Um, we'll see where that leads. Gresham talked about it was destiny. He had a feeling that this was going to happen. Something good was going to happen with Ring of Honor. He stuck it out to the end. And now he's with a guy that loves professional wrestling just as much as he is. He does. He's going to carry that championship around with pride. I honestly think, you know, you get to see Jonathan Gresham go around and still do what he does. I think he gets a Moxley type deal where, hey, man, you work for me, but you do whatever you need to do. You still make this championship prestigious. You do what you need to do to make this championship mean something to you. I don't see a problem with Gresham going around on the indies and defending it on shows like a GCW, like an AAW, AIW, going across the pond to progress and defend that title along with the Ring of Honor title there. Doing things like that, you know, Gresham earned that right and deserves that right because he is a wrestler first and foremost. And honestly, a great wrestler to boot. I would give him the world. I think he deserves this opportunity under the Tony Khan era of Ring of Honor to shine and really showcase what he's worth. I think it'll be worth a lot. I think, you know, you have a start of the making with Jonathan Gresham. So we highlighted some of the key points here during the press conference that happened after the show. One of the things to also talk about is once he found out, uh, well, once Samoa Joe found out who was going to get Ring of Honor, he felt a little bit more comfortable and did all he could, you know, wanted to learn more and be involved with this. Joe also mentioned um, during his second stint back in WWE when he heard that the tape library was available, uh, he was trying to make a play for that tape library to get pushed under WWE. Obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously, Joe is with AEW and Ring of Honor now. So, great things happen to people who believe in destiny and stuff like that. Uh, same thing with Jonathan Gresham. He, you know, was get, got a call from Jay Lethal after the uh, Sinclair announcement of the hiatus and was wondering why... Um, Jay Lethal actually was wondering why... Um, John Gresham wasn't mad or anything, and he just trusted the process, trusted that whatever was going to happen was going to happen, and he lucked out once again. He now is, he didn't say it directly, but I mean, come on, he's part of AEW Ring of Honor for the long haul. He is their champion. If there was no sight of him being there for a long duration, I don't think he would have walked out of there as champion. So here is, you know, Super card of honor. I would, you know, rate this show very high. This is a watchable show again. I would watch this a lot. I mean, honestly, if you want to watch one match, it's the tag title match between FTR and the Briscoes. But there was a lot of good matches on this show. Like I said, there was a lot of synergy between AEW and Ring of Honor, obviously, because Tony Khan now owns Ring of Honor and AEW is his company. You're going to see the tie-ins and everything like that. I didn't have really an issue. It didn't take away from the feel of Ring of Honor. It still felt like a Ring of Honor show. Yes, AW stars went over, so what? But you saw the same, you know, energy, the same wrestling style. They didn't change anything. They worked their style. They did what they needed to do to really push forward and push ahead. I, I enjoyed it a lot. 
and I have a lot of high hopes for whatever the future may be. Uh, Tony Khan, while mentioning he wanted to get out of Dallas right away due to the fact that it is WrestleMania weekend, hasn't ruled out uh, running another WrestleMania weekend show. So that's good to hear. Um, AEW and Ring of Honor will probably be doing a lot of co-promoted weekends uh, during their pay-per-views, AEW. So that's also not a surprise. Like I said, there's really nothing brought up about TV, but one thing to note is there will be a lot of synergy between both shows. You'll see a lot of Ring of Honor stars. You'll see a lot of AEW stars amongst both shows. So that's really all the major things that happen uh, between Supercard and then after Supercard. Still a lot of questions to be answered. I hope to, you know, you enjoyed listening to me talk about this show as I was excited to watch and talk about it here on uh, the Count Out Podcast Network, part of Pure. I enjoy uh, taking the time week in and week out, giving you guys everything you want to hear about Ring of Honor. We're going to go back in time a little bit as um, there's nothing really current going on right now. We're going to be talking about the fourth Supercard of Honor in 2009 where we had Nigel McGuinness and Jerry Lynn fight for the Ring of Honor title. It was the change of the guard, so to speak. And this, in my opinion, started the dark days of Ring of Honor. And we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about all the other matches that happened on this card because, you know, there was some good wrestling on this card. Uh, I don't want to sugarcoat and say that this whole show was bad because it wasn't. Um, I, I just feel like this was just, you know, this beginning of the change of the downward change of Ring of Honor that eventually did have to happen just because every company ebbs and flows. Just uh, disappointing that it happened so quickly to a company that was on like a really high ground for a while and running on all cylinders just to have a little steam take out and then it deflate uh, instantly. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Tune in next week where you can listen to more of that. You can rate, review. Please make sure to subscribe on your podcast uh, platform of choice. Rate, review on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can listen to me and a ton of other podcasts on the Count Out Podcast Network. I'll be on Indie Waters sometime this week. I don't know exactly when that episode is going to drop, but it is a big week for Indie Waters as they are going to be talking about all of the collective. You can catch me tomorrow as part of Hot Shakes and Hand Dogs on the Warren Hayes uh, YouTube channel. Live at 8 p.m. every Tuesday. We'll be talking a lot about the WrestleMania weekend. More on the independent side of things. But I hope to listen to you. Uh, see you guys. Uh, hear from you guys. Leave me feedback at SeanTaggart531 on Twitter. Um, just like I said, rate, refuse, subscribe. Enjoy all of the wrestling that you watch uh this week a lot of exciting things coming around the corner and i'll see you next time here on pure a ring of honor retrospective podcast this has been a count out podcast